I prayed in the bathroom before coming here. It always reminds me where I've come from, the floor. That's where God found me. That's where I found God. Um, bathroom floors. Crack house floors. Parking lot floors. Railroad tracks. Jail floors. They were cold. Um, and that's, that's where I found God. You know, I was always looking for him anyway. And um, that's kind of like what the fourth step really taught me. I don't really know where we are in the steps, but they all kind of interweave together. So, but in, in, to finish that thought up, I mean, that's what it really, when, when I look at my fourth step and I'm, I'm seeing all of the stuff that I was always seeking, I was always seeking God. I just never knew that that's what I was looking for. You know, when you're looking for a relationship, what do you want out of it? Validation. I want to feel worthy. I want to feel okay. I want to feel sex, sexy. I want to feel attractive. I want to feel handsome. I want this security. You know, and if you're looking at God, like, what do I want from God? I want him. Well, I don't know if God will find me sexy. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, overall, what am I looking for? I'm looking for that love, right? If I'm, if I'm in the pursuit of money, I, I want money, I want security, I want all of this stuff. Why do I want all that stuff? Because I want to feel okay. You know, what am I looking for in God? Security, a longing to feel okay. So anything that I'm always longing for is really just pointing to where my weak point is in the relationship that I have with God. And my fourth step taught me that no matter what I was looking for, I was always looking for God. You know, in step one, we looked at the, the powerlessness and the unmanageability that we experience living through our, our self, living through self. You know, fear being the mother of the spiritual malady that gave birth to every other defect of character that always went to try to feel okay, because that's all my, de my character defects are. They're survival mechanisms that my, my ego created so that I could feel okay. And in step one, I'm looking at no matter what I put in my body, because first off, I'm, I'm powerless over picking something up to feel okay. And my life is also apart from that unmanageable. So it's like a, a combo, right? And no matter what, like there's always some sort of like unmanageability in my life. That's again, pointing to where am I still holding on to? And where is God? Where am I not allowing God to take hold of that? You know, where's my emotional unmanageability? Where's the unmanageability in my personal relationships? Where's the unmanageability at my job? Where's the unmanageability when I'm home and alone and thinking about like, t like thousands different things? Where's the unmanageability in my reactions? Where's the unmanageability in my finances? Where's the unmanageability in my masturbation and the pornography and the relationships and Tinder and Instagram and Facebook? Like there's so much unmanageability in my life and there's so many different areas of unmanageability. And I just look at one thing and I think that it's just because I can't like run my life, but my life's composed of a bunch of little things. And if all of those areas are unmanageable, it's gonna basically create like a three ring shit show, right? And so, cool, I come in here and now the unmanageability of the substance has been removed, but that was never the problem. If anything, that was what made me predictable because when I was high and shooting up Dilaudid, this was probably my go-to, right? When I was drunk, I mean, God knows what could happen when I'm drunk because that's just like, and then you throw, sprinkle some Xanax and it's just like, Ooh. you just don't know what you're gonna get. Um, 
So for the most part, like when I'm ingesting a substance, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's manageable, but it's almost predictable. We all know where that's going to go. We all know where that's going to end up. Jails, institutions, death, whatever it may be, overdoses, doing a bunch of stuff that I don't want to do to get what I need, which is what I don't really want anyway. Then in step two, I've come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I always think that hope found me and God found me before I was aware that I had any hope and before I was aware that God had already found me. The rest of the steps kind of brought that awareness, brought that consciousness where it's like, whoa, I do have hope. Whoa, God does exist. But in step two, all of that stuff's taking place for me almost unconsciously. And I don't even know that it's happening because all that I have right now is a desperation to feel okay. All that I have right now is this willingness to do whatever it is people are telling me to do so that I can feel okay. And then all of a sudden life starts to get a little bit better and I'm not as desperate for that at least. I'm desperate, but not for that. I'm desperate for anything else, usually sex or money. That's the things that I'm desperate for. That's the thing that my flesh craves, right? And so all of a sudden I lose that desperation because I start to acquire some of these things. And step three, this is where it starts to combat that, I surrender control. Anything that I try to control is what's inevitably controlling me. I try to control the relationship. What's controlling me? The relationship. I try to control my finances. What's controlling me? My finances. Right? And it's like, it's not even that we're not even fully aware because I think that all of us are really intelligent. I was talking to somebody today who's going through a spiritual struggle and it hurts me because I see things now that my eyes have been opened and I can literally have a conversation with somebody. And as soon as my heart speaks to your heart and your heart speaks to mine, I can tell that you're hurting and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I know that pain. I know the pain that people go through when they're sitting there and they feel so desperate, so alone, so scared, that longing to be loved and feel okay and no matter what, like, and you can be in an incredible relationship and still feel alone and scared and not worthy and doubt yourself. And I'm talking to this person and it's just like, what are you doing? And he's like, I know what I need to do. And I'm like, okay, but what are you doing? And he's like, I need to get another sponsee. I need to do this. I need to go do that stuff. I need to go do this. And I'm like, okay, well, where are you spending most of your time? And what do you spend most of your time thinking about? And I already knew the answer. I can also like read Facebook posts. And in my head, like, I think that like, I know what the, per like I can read between the lines on Facebook posts. And like, that's not like a, like a, you know, Okay, maybe it's a little judgmental, but it's like, at the same time, like you can read that, you can read it. You can really look at a person's Facebook and why, why, why can I do that? It's because I'm properly armed with the facts about myself. It doesn't have to do with knowing or judging the, only, the other person. It has to do with the fact that I've gone through the steps and I know myself. I've judged myself. So I know that if I'm posting a picture online and I'm claiming it to be artistic and expression and freedom of the expression of self, I know that that's probably like somewhere between 50, 60 on a spiritually fit day, 70, 80% true. And the other 20, 30 or 40 or 50% is because I want people to like me and find me attractive. And the, if I get over 30 likes, then I'm set. Mm. <laughs> 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 
Like that's the reality. Like and my friend, like I've I've gone out to lunch before with Heather, and like she's like, are you telling me it's always because you're trying to express yourself artistically? And I'm like, no, it's because I don't feel attractive and I want people to like me. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, but I'm aware of that. <laughs> but not, but. Because I'm aware of it doesn't make it okay, but it makes it better because it gives me the opportunity to be able to work on it. Because I used to live life asleep. I used to be consciously unconscious and doing things, pretending not to know why I was doing them. And that's why I always ended up in the same place. I always tell my sponsees, commit your mistakes with integrity because at least you have the opportunity to learn from them and work on them, right? We couldn't stop doing drugs until what? We got to the place where we were like, we had to admit to ourselves that we were, that we were powerless. So how am I supposed to get better if I'm not willing to admit to myself that I'm doing certain things for certain reasons? Because pride blocks me from all of that. Like pride hides, wants me to not be judged by people, right? And then like I'll still claim lip service to God. Like I, I believe in God, I'm worshiping God, I love him so much, I know that he loves me. But yet my actions say something completely different. Completely different. Right? If I truly knew how much God loved me and truly like was able to take all of that in, I just I I don't even know what that would look like. But I know that I've had a taste of it, experiencing like I've experienced it in this program having had a spiritual awakening. I've experienced that love. And now every day I constantly pursue it. I want more God in my life. The more that I stay sober, the more God that I need because this disease, the ego, the mind, the flesh, it builds a tolerance to God. Just the way that when I was out there before I had a spiritual experience, I had a tolerance to all the substances that I was doing. Once I'm sober, once I'm clean, I have a tolerance for God. And so the same amount of God that got me in here and the same amount of God that might have blessed me with 30, 60, 90, six months, nine months, 12, whatever, go on and, and keeps going on. Like I need to constantly up my dosage of God. And so I constantly need to look at what it is that's blocking me from him in that moment in time. And in step three, I'm surrendering all of the control. I'm saying, you know what, God, you do whatever it is that you want to do. I know for me, it was struggles with my sexuality, struggles with this, struggles with that. And I just got to a certain point where I was just, there was nothing else left to blame. And, it's, and that's the cool part. When you ultimately surrender and you're shattered and completely broken in step one, like your excuses don't even make sense to you anymore. Like I had gone to so many different treatment centers, so many different therapy groups, so many different trauma groups, so many different like stuff like that, that like I couldn't even say like, oh, I was molested because all of my excuses, my lies, my manipulative tactics, all of them lost my val lost their value, even to me. Like none of nothing made sense anymore to me. There was nothing that I could tell you that was a reason for me doing what I was doing. And so I finally said, you know what, God, like I'm, I'm done. I'm so tired of being tired. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of doing anything. Like I just, I couldn't function anymore. And so I was like, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do. You want me to work at Einstein Bagels, I'll work at Einstein Bagels. You want me to apply at every single fucking restaurant in the 3315 and 3316 zip code, I will do it. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'm gonna do it. You want me to be single, I'll be single. You want me to be with a man, I'll be with a man. You want me to be with a woman, I'll be with a woman. You want me to be with nobody, I'll be with nobody. And I just turned it all over because I was so tired of it. It finally had become objectionable in my life and I was, it, it hurt too much to try to figure it out. Do you ever just sit there and try to figure out what the fuck is going on? 
<laughs> and then you end up like really hurting trying to figure out what is going on because you can't make sense of what's going on we were never created to make sense of what's going on there's only one person that can make sense of that and that one's God May you, find him. you know and I hope you have found him now and if you haven't found him now know that he's found you because we're all sitting here and so in step three, I was like, you know what? I don't have to figure it out anymore. All I have to do, and that's the other <coughs> thing too. It's like, I constantly think about like, what's God's will? What's God's will? What's God's will? Well, like today I arrived from, I got back to Fort Lauderdale at six o'clock in the morning, right? I had to be at work at two. I closed and then got off work at nine. And then I came here. So for the most part, like that was God's will for me today because that's what was scheduled in my life. So there was not much more for me to figure out. But sometimes what he gives me isn't good enough. And I want more. And then I get more and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, I wasn't asking for that more. <laughs> like, God, you gave me a side of onion rings. I wanted French fries. Like, what's going on over here? You know what I mean? It's like, so I had free time between like six and six and 12, and then I had to get ready for work, right? So maybe there I have some time to figure out, but even so, like if I really still myself and hear the voice that's telling me what to do, it's usually pretty simple stuff. It's usually like stuff that it takes to just be a responsible human being that I'm not willing to do. Really, like that's that it's so simple. The truth is simple. God is simple. It's not complicated. And the truth is really simple, too. Adulting is a bitch. <laughs> I, I, I was reading this thing that I wrote and it said, adulting is scheduling your mental breakdowns. <laughs> I, I, I went to work one day and I told my boss, I was like, Janet, I'm really considering just Baker acting myself just to get a break. <laughs> like it's great like I could go away for 72 hours nobody can contact me yeah right yeah like I'm in a psych ward like I've been there it's cool it's fine it's great I'm with my people and <laughs> 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 they just have and she just looks at me and she's like honey that's why we have personal days and I was like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> so I guess I won't do that um so in step three, like I'm, I'm surrendering all of that control and it's a constant surrender of control too. It's, it's all of the time, all of the time. It's not like a cool, I did step three and everything's like great now. No, it's like, I, I need to remind myself every single moment of every single day that I am not in control because as soon as I like slip into like me having some sort of control, I end up exhausted. I end up so tired. And with God, like in my life and flowing through me, there is an unlimited source of energy. And, and, and that inspiration and that love that fuels me to do more and do more and give more and give more and give more. And the more that I get, the more that I'm required to give, right? Because if I'm in an ocean of God and he continues to bless me and bless me and bless me and bless me and bless me, and I don't give any of it away, I slowly start to sink to the bottom like an anchor. And then I drown with everything that I've been blessed with. But if I continue to give it away, the more that I give, that flow allows me to exist. But the more that I hold on to and the more that I'm attached to, the more likely that I am to drown. 
So I constantly ask him for more, but am I willing to do more? Right? I look at myself in the mirror and be like, destroy myself because I want nicer, I want a nicer body. Am I willing to go to the gym? Hmm. Am I willing to eat, have a better diet? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And then the other reason too, it's like, why do I want that? Do I want to go to the gym and have a nicer body because I want validation? Or do I want to do that because I want to honor the vessel that I've been given in this life? <clears throat> so it's always like, it's looking at my intentions and my motives. And that's another thing that step four taught me. It's like looking at my intentions and my motives. Why am I doing the things that I am doing? What are the reasons that I'm really doing it? And what is my motive behind doing it? <clears throat> you know, I talked about resentments. I talked about resentments, fear, sex, harms. <clears throat> You know, we looked at these things and I finally found out the reason that I was doing them. So in, 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 in the first three steps, I'm basically walking into the spiritual emergency room. This is a spiritual emergency room where everybody's walking in all shit is crazy. Everybody's bleeding all over the place and everybody's just trying to live and feel okay, right? So in step four, by now, hopefully I have found a sponsor, a spiritual healer that's already had an experience with God that's going to walk me through the process and put my hand into God's hand. And in step four, I'm looking at a diagnostic of what is, what am I suffering from? What is the cancer that is plaguing my spirit that needs to be removed? And so in step four, it's basically like a diagnostic of that, a list of my symptoms of the things that have made me suffer my entire life. And so if pride blocks me from being honest in my fourth step, how am I supposed to get better? They're going to miss something in the spiritual surgery. Step five is me bringing that, giving this list of symptoms so that they can properly diagnose me. And in six and seven, I'm walking into spiritual surgery. There's no anesthesia for spiritual surgery. I literally feel sometimes or I've felt that God is cutting me open and removing something from my life. And I feel every moment, every moment of it. And that's really when the magic begins to happen. Through suffering, one achieves enlightenment. You know, and if you look at a lot of the spiritual teachings, they all say the same thing. That's, through suffering, one achieves enlightenment is a Buddhist thing, right? Jesus died on the cross, and then as a result of that, of his suffering, there was freedom. There was forgiveness, there was grace. So all of the spiritual teachings are pointing that suffering is the key, but so what happens is like I get so caught up in the emotion and so caught up in the moment, and then I react, right? And so like, this, this is the funny part. So like, I'm lonely. I act out because I'm lonely. After I act out, and me acting out because I'm lonely is not like a one-two process. Like me acting out because I'm lonely in the past has looked like, okay, I'm lonely. Do I download it? Do I not download it? Like Tinder, Grindr, Bumble, whatever they're using now. Like, do I download it? Do I not download it? So at first it's like me thinking if I should download it or not download it for like at least three to five hours. Then after I'm thinking about me downloading it and not downloading it, in that process, I'm also thinking about all of the people that are going to judge me on those apps because if you go on there, you're going to find people in the rooms. And so 
then I'm like, who's going to know? Who's not going to know? And then I'm like, do I have to tell my sponsor or not tell my sponsor? If I'm not, if I'm thinking about me not telling my sponsor <laughs> something, then I probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. If I'm thinking about telling, do I want my best friend to know that I've done this? Then it's probably something that I shouldn't be doing in the first place. So in that process of me thinking about all of this stuff, I'm already experiencing the guilt, the shame, the pride, and all of that stuff happening. And just me thinking about doing it, then I do it. <laughs> right so then after i do it then i'm then then it's like oh god i gotta go to work so then i'm at work for eight hours and i literally have run out of swipes at work with the free tinder like you they, i like i got to the point where like i needed to upgrade they were like you have reached the maximum amount of swipes like that day at work and an eight hour shift so then i'm not even fully so first off in the morning i was never fully present god was never fully present in the entire three to five hours that i spent waking up debating if i should do it or not do it and thinking about what every single person was going to think of me like god was not present in that at all because all i was doing was obsessing over all of that other stuff then i get to work where i'm supposed to be at work and i'm not at work i'm sitting there swiping in a different area code hoping to find some nicer fish in a different sea <laughs> like maybe Boca has a better roster than Pompano. <laughs> maybe I'm far enough from Fort Lauderdale that nobody will see me. Like so then I'm thinking about all these things. I'm on this app. I'm judging everybody based upon their like outsides looking at all this stuff. I'm not even fully present at work. Then I'm mad because I'm not doing good at work, blaming my job for the reason that I'm not doing good at work when I'm not even at work. Like I'm literally compromising my integrity because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So at this point, like not only have I already experienced guilt, shame, remorse, and all this other stuff, now I'm experiencing the compromising of my integrity, which affects me in ways that I can't even, like I'm still learning how that affects me. Because everything in our life has to do with integrity. Once we begin to compromise our integrity, everything starts to go crazy. And we, we can't even tell what's real anymore because compromising our integrity creates this alternative universe where we're thinking something that isn't even real. And so like now I'm at work for eight hours doing all of this stuff. Like, let's just say I found someone, right? To give me a blow job on an hour long break that I have at work. So then I, I go do that and I don't eat. I don't eat on my break. So now like I'm not eating, I'm not drinking water. I'm like thirsty and hungry and like freaking out. And now it's been probably like 13 hours of me doing this. I get the blowjob. I come back to work, now I feel dirty. Now I feel dirty, I feel gross, I feel disgusting, I feel like a piece of shit. All of the things that I was judging myself for start to become real, and I sit there at work just suffering. Can't even focus. I get off work, I'm driving on the way home. Do I call my sponsor, do I not call my sponsor? Maybe I'll just chain smoke and blast some music. Right, so now it's like nine o'clock at night. So from nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night, this is what has happened for me acting out. Now it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm hitting my head on the pillow. By now, let's just say I've gone through my steps and I think about, should I do my inventory or should I not? <coughs> Bless you. Thanks. I don't wanna do my inventory. Should I do it or should I not? I need to catch up on Game of Thrones. Let me watch one episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Get something to eat and drink, and then I'll do the inventory. Start watching Game of Thrones. All of a sudden, somehow, I end up on Pornhub. 
So then that I takes another been. three hours of my life. <laughs> another, Finally, uh, three hours. By tw- sometimes it just takes a while. So, so, so now, now it's 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay? I have to be up at 6 o'clock the next day for work. And I'm like, fuck, I'm already tired tomorrow. so now i'm stressing about the next day experiencing all of the guilt from this day looking at my poor dog like emma please i can't walk you again (laughs) and i'm like whatever i'll walk you so i walk her i come back upstairs now it's like two o'clock in the morning I forced myself to brush my teeth because I've actually had to learn to rebrush my teeth in this program. Because when you're getting high all the time, you don't always want to brush your teeth. And something that I've experienced even at five years sober is still being too lazy to brush my teeth. And you know what that shows? That I don't love myself. And I've learned that there's little things that I can do that I'm aware of that I can that I see that I'm doing when I'm when I'm spiritually fit and know that God loves me and that I love myself, I will take care of myself. I will shower. I will brush my teeth. I will get some sleep. I will make sure that I drink water. I will make sure that I eat. Because I love myself, and all of that stems too from my relationship with God. So now it's two o'clock in the morning. If I write an inventory, it's gonna look like yes, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, sometimes maybe. But usually I'll mentally do it, you know? And then I'll, and then some, my sponsor, did you do an inventory? Well, I, I thought about it and I like, I did like a mental one. The answer is no. (laughs) You didn't, you know? How many meetings did you go to this week? I give like a PowerPoint presentation with like a dissertation about how many meetings I didn't go to and how many I plan to go to the following week. The answer is like one. It's It's literally a number and like a two second response. And I'm not even trying to convince the other person. At this point, I'm trying to convince myself so that I feel better. Anything that I'm trying to explain to someone that takes, that's overly complicated is me just trying to make sense of it and prove it to myself because I already feel like a piece of shit. So I don't do the inventory, I brush my teeth, I hit the the bed. And I think to myself, why would I even pray? <coughs> why would God love someone like me? Such a piece of shit like me. And I, I, I roll over in the fetal position. Maybe I'll cry a little bit. And then I'll, I'll, I'll go to sleep. And the next day I wake up late for work. And in my frantic mind, I I rush to work. And like, you can see the pattern here, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on 95 and when when I'm in a hurry, I wanna blame every other driver on the road and circumstance. Well, this fucking person doesn't know how to drive. Who decided to get into an accident on my way to work? You know what I think about now when I see an accident? I hope they're okay. Mm -hmm. I say a prayer for the accident that I see. I hope they're okay. You know, when I'm, when I'm stuck in traffic, I tell myself, maybe God just wants to spend more time with me. And so I start talking to him. 
When I lose something, I'm like, maybe my life's unmanageable. Maybe it means that I need to clean. Maybe it means I need to pray or meditate. When I'm working this program, everything is not lost, everything is found. I have an unlimited source of energy. So imagine like, that's like, I just described to you what, what acting out looks like for me, right? And this was just one day. Where was God in that? Absolutely nowhere. And then I walk into this room and I say, God is everything. I've had a spiritual experience. I believe in him. And that's the way that I lived one day. And so me even saying that is me, again, further compromising my integrity. And then I wonder why I wake up sometimes and hate myself. And it's because I'm living life this way and I'm completely unaware that I'm living it this way. And so what the fourth step is doing is it's teaching me all of this stuff. And I'm not, a, I'm not alone in this, which is also more beautiful. I know that everybody's laughing because everybody's experienced that. And so next time you feel alone, we're not alone. But the thing is that like based off of that illusion of loneliness, I'm acting out in this way and then I feel all of these other things. And so it's like all completely out of whack. And so what this program is telling me to do is to wake up, roll out of bed, pray, God, please help me today. Please help me stay sober. Help me do what it is that you would have me do. Help me make the world a better place. It literally says in our book, our purpose is to be of maximum use to our fellows. It doesn't even just limit alcoholics and addicts. It says our fellows, our fellow man, our fellow humans. Our purpose is just to make this world a better place. Hold the fucking door open. Don't expect a thank you because you're doing it for God. You're not doing it for the person walking through. Give somebody a tip that's having a bad day. Stop and actually ask the cashier how her day is going. Look into the eyes of a homeless man. You know, we just went to Peru and we were feeding children on the street and there were little kids running around being free and happy and joyous and they were literally living on the street. Kids playing with a flat ball. Like, you don't see that here. What, this, what, what has happened in the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh step is everything starts to get redefined. Everything gets new definitions. Everything gets a new perception. But in order for the, bless you, in order for the new perception to take place, I've got to have this experience where I can redefine things. What does it mean to be a son? What does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be a lover? What does it mean to be a brother? What does it mean to be these things? And truth is, I've had more experience in knowing what it's not. And so when I'm puzzled about what it is, I should just look at my track record. If I want to know what God's will is, it's usually the opposite of the way that I live my life. It's not very complicated. And so now I'm preparing for all of these things to be removed. And once it becomes painful enough, that's when I'm ready for that tumor to be taken out. You know, I like what Pat Rogan says. He's like, oh, well, sometimes people are like, I'm acting out on old behaviors. They're current. If I'm acting out on them, they're not old. They're like now. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like we literally say things that just don't make any sense. I, I, and I do it all the time. I do it all the I literally say things and I'm like, damn, you really just said that. 
<laughs> and then thankfully, I have friends in my life that call me out on that too. Do I want to surround myself with people that are going to co-sign me? Do I want to surround myself that, with people that are going to challenge me and lift me up? Or I want to surround myself with people that are just going to validate all of the shitty things that I'm doing, right? A lot of the stuff that I used to find funny, I don't find funny anymore. A lot of the things that I used to find, find joy in, joy, because that's not real joy, I don't find joy anymore. Because what's happened is this program start to remove stuff. I've lost the attachment that I used to have to things and all the things that all the thing that I really want to be attached to is God. That's the only thing that I want to be attached to. And it's a struggle. But God's more real than the struggle. And like I just try to like be thankful all the time. And thankful is not me like it's just it's an action word it's not like me and it's also an experience but like the more grateful you are the more that you'll just literally like the more my life's propelled by gratitude and inspiration like i'm so thankful for the life that i have today that i just feel the need to have to do more and so now i'm really learning what's making me tick and am i willing to talk about it or do i want to continue to hide it and then blame AA or blame my shitty sponsor for me not getting better when I'm the one that lied about everything that was wrong in my life. It's <laughs> like me going, just me going to the doctor and being like, I'm not allergic to anything, knowing that I'm allergic to like penicillin, them giving me penicillin, and then me being like, what the fuck, now I'm going to sue you. Like, that's like, like, you literally asked me if I was allergic to anything, and I said no, knowing that I'm allergic to something. So in the force, I've made a searching and thorough inventory like thorough and searching. And then it's also like to the best of my ability at that moment in time. So I was as honest and thorough as I was on my, fourth, on my first fourth step, enough to have a spiritual experience to keep me sober until more was revealed. And then all of a sudden I had to be more honest and more thorough because the truth or my perception of the truth grew. My understanding was deeper. I knew, I know today what I didn't know yesterday. And so I can't live today or tomorrow of not pretending what I, not pretending to know what I've learned. For some reason on the way here, I was thinking like, it's easy for me to forget things that I've heard, but it's harder for me to forget things that I've seen. And on the fourth step, I'm like writing down and I'm like seeing it. And so now it's just, it's not that voice in my head anymore. Now it's literally on a piece of paper. And by now, if I've come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, if I've made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him, but I'm not willing to be honest on my fourth step, I haven't done the previous two. And that, and like now it's really cool because like when I think about those things, like would I be walking around feeling the way that I feel if I really thought God forgave me? Would I be walking around feeling the way that I feel if I really didn't think that God loves me? And today there's not a fucking doubt in my mind that God forgives me and loves me. Not one ounce of doubt. Does that mean that sometimes it doesn't hurt? It still hurts sometimes. But like I, there's this like crazy like unbroken bond that I have with God. And like, I know that it's real. I know that it's real 110%. More than that. And like, 
even if I like feel shitty or something, I'm still like, he loves me. I know he loves me. I know he forgives me. I don't have to convince myself because I know in my heart that he does. And that like the opportunity to be a better person is there tomorrow, you know? Like I used to think to myself like, um, I don't feel God, right? A lot of us say that sometimes. I don't feel him, I don't feel him, I don't feel him. What if we do feel him and we just want more of him, right? And so that's what I was talking to this person earlier. He's like, I feel like such a failure. And I was like, you're not a failure. You just want more God in your life. Your spirit is longing to have a better connection with God. And isn't that a beautiful thing? So next time we feel lonely or we feel sad, why, why are we going to be so focused on that? Focus on what you want, not on what you're feeling. If I'm feeling sad, what do I want? I want more happiness in my life. That's a great thing. If I'm feeling alone, I want more companionship. I want more love in my life. There's people that don't want anything. And today we have the opportunity to want more love and want more happiness and want more joy and want more freedom. Because it's not about being sober anymore. It's about being fucking free. And so next time we're experiencing these things, think about what it is that we want. If I'm not feeling God, it's because I want more of him. And I'm so grateful today to have the desire to have a greater relationship with my higher power. That's like odd. Awesomeness. So, what? No, are we got to close? We're we at like three, four minutes. Anybody want to share? Like, really? Go ahead. Tom, what I'll call it. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. <laughs> um, appreciate hearing you again. Hi there. Um, three hours on porn, you need a faster internet connection. With <laughs> <laughs> I'll steal a joke I heard them say. We're using a line wire, or because that's a line wire. I'm too old. Line wire. <laughs> 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 I use line wire. I, I relapsed after a lot of time. Uh, the, I, I was one trip wondering, I had a lot of time, and I relapsed. And so you spend a lot of time thinking back, um, or I do, about why. And I was a speaker, and I had a lot of whatever. Um, and when you, I really appreciate every time I hear you because you always make me think. I was doing inventory, I was doing all these things, but uh, the thought that my hypocrisy, acknowledging my hypocrisy, isn't correcting my hypocrisy. And that's what I got out of what you said because I spent a lot of time acknowledging my hypocrisy. I've spent the last couple of years after relapsing kind of acknowledging it, but never correcting it. And um, I, I really appreciate it. You always make me think on kind of a deeper level. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I heard two sober guys talking, and one said, alcoholics and addicts are the only people <coughs> who want a gift for being given a gift. <laughs> and I realized that's what happened to me. I, I was so happy when I first got sober. This was the best thing in the world. But now I'm like, well, I'm sober now, so why don't you give me something? No, 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 I got it. The gift was this. Like, I'm not dead and drunk or, or high. So I don't need another gift. Um, so thank you. You always make me think it's always really wonderful here. Thanks, Sharon. Sharon. Anybody else? No? All right. So we have um, a reading. You can pick one of those readings. The end. I'm an addict named Justin. 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 <clears throat> the promises. If you're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. 
We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We no. think they're not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work at them. All right. Thank you. Let's thank Javier again, please. John, you want to close the circle, please? Talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moment of silence for those who are still suffering in this room in the circle outside of it. Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Congratulations, man. That's DJ. <laughs>